This OFI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Back to you is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. And friends, and everyone at OPI shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. No, no, no. Come on, people. And with that, we have a special message from actress, comedian, and fan favorite Milana Vindrew. I just want to wish the people of Chicago a safe, warm, peaceful stay at home. Please stay healthy. Please help other people stay healthy by staying home. Stay safe, Chicago. Thanks, Milana. Thank you. Guys, seriously, you can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. Welcome to Back to You, a Tony Lozano production. We're at home, obviously. Now let's call Steve Baskerville. All right. It's ringing. We're about ready to start our maiden voyage from home. And he's not answering. There he is. I guess I'll answer it. Guess what? What? Just like down in the studio, we're already rolling. Look at all the stuff behind me. Can you see that? Yeah, it looks uh, fancy. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me well, by the yeah, way? I, I hear you very well, yes. Um, you know... A question uh, you don't hear have, have you read... Already. Go ahead. Let's talk over each other for as long as we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's not like you're on Mars. I mean, we're we're, we're acting like this is... Hello... Hello, Watson. Can you hear me? I know. It's like the live shot from the moon we're acting like. You know, the first live shot. I uh, chose this setting because this is the way a lot of folks on these TV shows look now. And I think the less credentialed you are, the more books you got to have behind you. Yeah. Well, the people listening to this aren't seeing you, but I am because we're doing this through FaceTime. But have you... Steve is in front of a big bookcase. It looks like a TV man's home. I'm telling you that. You're living large. Yeah, you widen out, and it's just a set here. And uh, <laughs> That's and wallpaper? Not, right. Now, full disclosure, we hinted at it with what you just said. We usually are in a room well, together, and we have Tony, who's there, usually with us, right? Yes, Tony Lasano. And Samuel is always... Uh, sort of running the board and making things happen. And I already miss both of them. <laughs> I do too. Although my son is here and he helped set me up. And Samuel, I had him on the phone for two hours the other day to get this. You know, I've got a uh, board here, a mixer. I'm um, running you through my computer. And Samuel did a great job. Tony's been great. And Tony said, you cannot fail. And I said, you watch me. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know us well, does he? <laughs> I would think uh, he would by now. 
Now, I just have to, I know folks can't see this, but they can imagine what's going on. I'm sitting in a, an office that I don't ever really use. <laughs> My wife sits in here much more than I do. Uh-huh. And um, I have all these books behind me on the bookshelves. Now, first of all, are you impressed that I own so many books? Well, I'm very impressed, but I know you haven't read any of them. Well, the next question was going to be, how many do you think I've read? <laughs> I think your wife has read most of them. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, I just come in here in hopes of doing something where people can see me and I can appear to be smart. Uh, but it's just um, another weird way of trying to make things near normal under these uh terrible conditions. I say terrible because we're so isolated from each other, but I know we have to do it. Yes, we are. I mean, we, you know, we miss our, our grandkids dearly. Everybody's missing somebody. But uh, as we've talked on the phone, I mean, we keep perspective. At the same time, we're lucky. We, we're not sick. You know, we've all been touched by it, though. We all know somebody that has been affected and is sick, but uh, it's it's a horrible, horrible thing to, uh, you know, understatement of the year. Yeah, it certainly is, because, um, you know, when you think about it and you see these stats that roll by almost like telethon numbers, you know, in the thousands, and they don't really seem to hit home until you know someone personally, maybe in your family or a close friend who's come down with the virus and those numbers suddenly have dramatic meaning to you. And I'm really irritated by the folks who disregard the safe distance message because I think that that's key to uh, things resolving sooner than later. And I, and I wish people would understand that more, at least where we sit right now, the need to have, keep a safe distance is extremely important. And there still are people out there who don't buy it. Oh, I agree. And, you know, I don't care who who I offend at this point, but just going out for walks, we walk in my neighborhood every day and we're able to avoid, you know, people. If we see people on one sidewalk, we cross the street and, you know, we're not exposing ourselves or anybody else. But then, then a neighbor will come up, somebody that I vaguely know, and they like charge at you like they're going to start up a conversation. And I'm like, what are you thinking? I don't want to talk to you under the best of circumstances. And then I, you know, get away. It's just... You know, follow the rules. And I hope everybody that um, is listening to us now uh, really knows how we have very much um, changed in tone. We want to be as happy as we can about what we're doing because we enjoy this. But we know that there are a lot of folks who aren't feeling so good, a lot of folks who still have to go to work so that we can one day leave our homes and go in these buildings and carry on with our life the way we used to know it. And they really are heroes, those who have to have to work under these conditions anyway. No question about it. They are heroes, and they're risking their lives for us every day. I, I saw a piece on CNN to where they took their cameras into an emergency room in New York City about a week, two weeks ago. And it is absolutely horrific. When I saw that with my own eyes and saw the people on ventilators and, you know, you have no words. It's just the most horrific thing I've ever seen. 
Well, Governor Cuomo, who is one of those voices that I love hearing, he is so reassuring to me, even though I don't live anywhere close to New York State, uh, I take uh, stock in a lot of the things he says, and I, I, I really enjoy it when he has his press conferences. And he said something the other day that really hit home. He said that when he was a little boy and he'd go over to his grandfather's house, and on the weekend, like on a Sunday night, the whole family would go over there and have dinner. Uh, he can remember at the end of the long dinner, his grandfather would say, well, that's my vacation. It's over. And he would say that almost every Sunday. And the governor said he asked his father, hey, what did grandpa mean? Why does he always say, well, vacation's over? He says, because your grandfather works six, seven days a week. He never... Uh, takes a vacation he can't afford to under his circumstances to provide for everybody. He's constantly working, and he knows the value of two or three hours at dinner, and that's like a vacation to him, and that's why he treasures it so. And Cuomo was making the point that, yeah, we complain about being quarantined or isolated or alone with all this downtime. Uh, there are people out there who are like his grandfather who who can't get this kind of downtime. They would give anything in the world for a day at home all day long like we have. They have their two or three hours of vacation when they eat a meal or take a break, but they're working on it six, seven days a week all day long. Yes, and that's you know giving us all perspective. And I hope that when we come out of this, and we will, it's going to take a while though, but when we come out of this, I don't know what normal is going to be, but... When we, you know, get back outside and we get back in public again, I hope that we all don't forget what we're going through and never take a day out, never take a day with blue skies, a day sitting with your family in a restaurant for granted again. I'm going to change the pace for just a second here. I want to talk about something else that has struck me within the last two minutes or so. What I hope is that the new normal is the way you look right now. <laughs> Can you get a good look at this unshaven Grizzly Adams look? Well, I thought I saw you in, in the Tiger King. <laughs> what you, kind of look is this he's got? You might have. I'm married to Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope not. Uh, is that, uh, you have seen Tiger King, right? Oh, oh sure, sure. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. That, that was high on my list of uh, foolishness to watch when you're binge watching something. That and, uh, you know, I have an assortment of shows that I watch. Now, uh, you can't see Howard, but he's actually looking at himself grooming uh, <laughs> the funky, this funky beard that he thinks looks good. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Does I don't... somebody tell you, hey, that looks good, Pops? Why don't you keep it? No, nobody has yet. And I know Justin doesn't call you Pops, does he? No. Well, I want him to start calling you Pops, because that's what that looks like. <laughs> you know, my wife has got away with words. She's very complimentary, and she says, uh, yeah, just what you said. Do you think that thing looks good? You look like an old man. He said, you look like David Letterman. Is that what you want? <laughs> Except David Letterman's beard is shorter than that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I now understand why David Letterman, I always thought, my God, why did he do that with that big, long beard? Yeah. And I now get it. Well, I, under I, I understand. I, I grow it, and then it gets too itchy for me, and then I 
shave it off, and then I don't shave for several days again, and then I shave it off. But um, you are close up. I could see every hair in your nostril. Oh, I can I mean, see you. Me too. I could, I could give you a virus test right now. You're so close. <laughs> Why are you so close to the where? Are you close to the uh, camera uh, abnormally so? No, I'm close uh, to the microphone I have here. Okay. Uh, enough of this stuff that See this? Can't... <laughs> yeah. That's the, that microphone the microphone I'm on. Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You know what uh, we're calling the show now? Is this over, by the way? This is, is it? Go, we haven't started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is the phone call. Uh, the show is back to you, but we're calling it back for more. Do you? Uh, I know you didn't. You just paused and went on. You, well, you sent me that in a text. Oh. And you, you spend a lot of time thinking about uh, the name, don't you? I mean, you are sort of uh, consumed with what should we call it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I love Back to You and uh, Tony Lasano and yeah. Ed Silha of the Radio Misfits Network. Uh, yeah. They came up with it, and I, I loved it right from the get-go. Um, we had a guest recently, though, that I think kind of captured who we are, and we didn't name the show that, but... It was Dwayne Kennedy, the comedian, and he said, man, you're like the Ramble Brothers. <laughs> love it. I love that. I really love that. Don't you? Yes, I do, because, you know, we've never been able to describe, you know, what it is we do on this so-called show, and that's it. We ramble from one subject to another. Yeah, train of thought is just always coming off the tracks. Uh, so that is really a an apropos name. I'm drinking. Look at what I'm drinking. You ever had one of these things? They're called ice. Ice? Yeah. Who, who makes it? Uh, who makes it? Says here, made by the Ramble Brothers. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, but it's a sparkling uh, water, really, flavored. Naturally flavored sparkling water. And I'm drinking this right here. A good old-fashioned LaCroix. Yeah. Does yours have antioxidants and vitamins like mine? Uh, I don't think yours does. It just says it. <laughs> I just like the, it's got a nice label that makes me feel better when I read this. Yeah, stuff. you feel healthy. Uh, <laughs> do you have vodka mixed in it? Uh, no, but I'm sure it would be good with vodka in it. And I, I think that's what I would I would choose one of the natural flavors for that. I wouldn't. I would. Uh, I would. I'd want to taste the whole. The whole vodka at its best. <laughs> you know, people have done podcasts where they poured themselves a big, tall vodka at the beginning, and they just drink yeah. it to see how the show deteriorates as they go on. Ours well, deteriorates we, naturally. Yeah, ours deteriorates right from the start. <laughs> no need to have any kind of vodka. I keep wanting to show you things, uh, but I, I won't show you because people can't see what I'm showing you. But I'm looking off to my right. And there's a picture of me uh, with a basketball as if I'm giving pointers to Scotty Pippen. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, very well, as you bring that up, um, as we record this, the first two editions uh, in the 10-part series on ESPN of The Last Dance Had Begun, and we both watched it. 
And uh, what were your impressions? Uh, it had so much hype in Chicago that it felt to me like the Bulls were playing when it aired. Yeah, I was disappointed because it didn't get to the meat that I wanted, which was the insight into Michael. I wasn't totally disappointed. I'm interested enough to keep watching it, but uh, I wanted more exposed in the first two episodes of what I saw. I personally am aware of the greatness of his game. So seeing the highlights didn't wow me all over again. It just reminded me of how great he was, but... I wanted more of the person, which was coming out in little drips and drabs, and I think that'll continue. I think the most uh, exciting thing about it, as I listen to radio shows and, and people talk about their reaction to it, was the talk seems to be more about Scotty than it is Michael. How he signed this contract for seven years or so, was yeah. it? It was. It was $18 million. I remember that vividly at the time. And Scotty was really, you know, and he's, he's, you could tell on the show he's still bitter. But Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, explained it perfectly. And I remember it at the time. He warned Scotty, don't sign this deal. Scotty wanted a longer deal, as he said in the show, because he wanted security. And I mean, it was still $18 million. So if he got hurt, playing the game of basketball, he was going to get paid. So he elected for the security. But as Reinsdorf said, when the TV contract got, you know, went straight up and all this money came into the league, the other players were making more. And you can't come back to Jerry and say, rip it up. I side with Scotty on that. I, I think that as times change, your values increase, Management ought to realize that it's a totally different person and situation. They ought to reopen it and give a man a decent contract instead of that bogus one that he signed when they really had him. He's a young guy. Uh, he wants to secure his family back in Arkansas. He wants some sense of, of the money that nobody has had access to in his family. And then you do him like that. Uh, when he's able to make millions and millions more, like everybody else, who uh, in a lot of those cases, less talent than what he has. It's not fair. It's not right. I agree with that, and I, I don't blame Scotty. Any of, any of us would feel that way. Uh, from Reinsdorf's, you know, the Bulls are the ones that offered the seven years. So, um, and, then, and then he took it. Uh, from Reinsdorf's standpoint, I can see where he's coming from. You know, the suits are that way a lot, and he, you know, he didn't want him coming back, and he didn't want to rip it up. I would have ripped it up and given him another contract because, you know, he had been a really, he was a great player, and as you said, he deserved it. Yeah. And so you are totally not a management guy in, in that sense, in that case. I'm not, a, I haven't been a management guy one day that I've worked my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why you're in the position you're in today. That's why. <laughs> that's why I'm sitting here in, in uh, an office in my house, unshaven, yeah, without a haircut for six weeks. Yeah, you you look so bad that 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 Joe Exotic in the Tiger King would recoil. That <laughs> he would. He wouldn't let me on the show. He wouldn't let me on his property. 
Well, I'm glad you're not on my property. <laughs> I feel uh, like I am. I, I don't really go outside uh, the door and walk as much over recent days. Getting back to what you were talking about, talking about my property, I haven't left my property because of the constant flow of walkers now. And it is like watching a Walter Payton or um, Barry Sanders or, or Gale Sayers. Remember how they would have to look downfield and pick their holes to run through? Sure. It's all like that walking outside now. I scan, I scan the block. And there's so many people walking, I'm trying to pick my holes where I can walk in and get at least six feet from people. Months ago, when you had decent days, you used to have to beg people to put the devices down and step outside. Get off the iPad for a while. Get off the uh, Game Boy or the Switch or the, you know, Xbox or PS. State. Get off and go outside. Now, when you can't go outside in numbers... You can't force people to get back in. I don't get it. I don't understand it. People, well, I'm, strangers from blocks away are just roaming the streets like zombies. And they're not giving me, it's like cars around here. Just the traffic, just from walkers. Well, they, you know, so many of them had an outlet before because they were going to work and they were out and about going other places. Now they're stuck in their neighborhood largely. And that's why they're coming out there and, and walking. I've always walked a lot. I've always walked a lot in my neighborhood. So it's nothing new for me. But if I have to, I just walk right down the middle of the street. Well, I have to more and more. Uh, by the way, why do you have headphones on? So I can hear you better and I can hear myself. Uh, because I am sitting here with this board. I'm working the levels, the volumes. I'm the engineer today. How about that? Well, that's something else. <laughs> you got, wow, am, you got it going on. I <laughs> am fancy. Well, I'm. Uh, wow, that, that means it's my show. Uh, yeah, you and your podcast. <laughs> um, you know what we're gonna do? I hope something. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody gonna, listening to this is probably hoping that. We're going to take a little break here, and uh, we're going to come back and talk more about the Bulls. And I'm going to answer a question that, if you have some questions about Jordan or any of them, because I was around them so much and so closely, but I'm going to answer the question, what is Michael Jordan really like? Mm. I get that one quite a bit. So how about we'll be right back on Back to You. <laughs> Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, would you buy a 1994 Corvette with only 641 miles on it? Plus, rumors of their death have been greatly exaggerated. We're talking about sedans. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, yes, it's true. There's no football slash soccer being played, but that doesn't mean there's not stuff to watch. Isn't that right, Adam? You're absolutely right. We've got documentaries. I'm even going to give you my top five soccer movies of all time. Stay tuned. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of stuff to still do, and we'll, we'll go through a bunch of it. Uh, you have to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. It's a OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 
We are back. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Boy, that was quick. It was. How about that? You had a swig of your vodka. Yeah, I took a swig of it, and it went down smooth. As we were talking. what was Michael Jordan really like? What was Michael Jordan really like? Well, as I have explained and, and shown on social media, Michael came along in 84 to the Bulls. I started at CBS 2 in March of 84, so a couple of months after that, or whenever he was drafted, third uh, behind Hakeem Olajuwon, great player, and Sam Bowie, not so great, uh, mainly because of injury. But Michael was taken third, and his, and his I, career his career turned into Dram Bowie. <laughs> yeah. No, Dram Bowie's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Okay, carry on, carry on. Anyway, I met Michael at that point. He was a an outstanding basketball player with great potential, but he was not a megastar yet. So I knew him when he was just Michael Jordan from North Carolina, outstanding basketball player, uh, polite, soft-spoken, humble young guy. And he never really changed to me. And he told me right from the get-go, he said, if you treat me with respect... I'll treat you with respect. And now, we always said that to you personally? Yes. And we yeah. always did. And yeah. we held up our end of the bargain. You know, when different controversies happened over the years, like the gambling or whatever, that um, when the news departments at the TV station wanted to get involved, I had a rule that don't put me in a position to have to ask him about something, send a news person. And I wanted to keep my relationship more about basketball. And that way we could we could maintain the respect for each other. So, Michael, so you would, would think that whenever he saw you, he was happy to see. Yeah, I, I would I would hope so. I mean, he certainly wasn't uh, he didn't run the other way. Um, I like did. I- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like everybody else does. Yeah. Uh, no, we never we never had any problems. And I mean, we we were, you know, we had to stake out. And uh, you know, I knew his his guards, his police guys, really well. Gus Lett was one of them. He's a he was a wonderful guy. Passed away, but he would tell me like in the playoffs after the press conferences were over. He would tell me ahead of time, all right, we're going to leave this way. We're going to go down this hall. So I'd be waiting there with my crew, my camera guy, and Michael would walk right by us, and it'd be just me and Gus, Michael, and my cameraman, and I would I get him. I, I think I saw him last night in that episode, in both episodes, right? He Would he usually be the person who may have his arm around one of the Jordan children ahead of Michael leading the way out of a crowd or leaving the – state of the locker room and walking down the hall yes so, i i remember that shot of that was gus and uh that was in paris i believe and he he had one of uh michael's uh boys in front of him and michael was right behind him yes you know my memory you had many more encounters with michael than i had and and i had a few and just to give you my impression of of what he was like no great insight like uh, you would have or somebody who spent a lot of time. But whenever I would be on the set, I was lucky enough to have been in the newscast 
on the nights before the next game. For instance, we had Magic and Michael on that sports extra show, right? Remember that? Oh, am I right? Yeah, well, actually, they were on the news yeah, uh, okay. I, from 10 to 10.30. Right? Yeah, so uh, when that show would end, and these two guys are talking about the championship that would start the next day, the giants of the game, the whole world expecting uh, this big event the next night, the anxiety that fans probably felt over it, anticipating it. Michael would grab me at the end of the program in a hurried way. He'd only want to know one bit of information, and it was, hey, man, can I play tomorrow morning? And I, and I would say, what? He said, yeah, do you think it's going to rain tomorrow morning? I want to play some golf. And that's on the day of a game, and you would think that he'd be worried or uh, trying to get enough rest and, and just, you know, anticipating this big event the next day. He was finding ways to relax, and he was going to get up in the morning that next day, play golf, and then play a basketball game like that at night. Oh, the, that was nothing the, for him. But I can't imagine that kind of energy or uh, – just uh, it would have to be draining just thinking about the game coming up. Well, he was so addicted to golf that uh, he wanted to get out there and play, and maybe that was a uh, you know maybe that was a release for him. But um, you know, back to the magic thing for a second. Do you know how we got him to come over live on our set with Michael? And this is this was in '91 during the Bulls Lakers series, the first championship for the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, do you know the I, story? No, I don't. Magic was eating, he was having pizza over at Geno's East, a few blocks from the station, which was on McClurg Court. And our producer, Bob Vasilopoulos, ran over there. And, you know, now, if a if a player was eating in a restaurant and you bothered him, you walked up to LeBron James or something, like, they'd look at you like you were crazy. And Magic... So he's not eating with the team or anything? No, he was eating with, you know, personal friends. Now, did Bob get a tip that Magic was there? Yeah, I don't know how, but anyway, Bob ran over there, and I think what cinched the deal was, he said, and Magic is making millions of dollars, he says, I'll buy your pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And Magic says, I'm in. (laughs) And he comes over. That's how you keep your money. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so he drags uh, Magic away from that dinner to our station. Yes. Then they got on the set together, Magic and Michael. And, you know, you think they're competitive. I mean, television was, local news was unbelievably competitive back then, as you know. I mean, so the other stations, I can imagine the, the sports guys and everybody just choking because they're getting yelled at by their management their news director, because how did they get him? How did they get that set up? You know, the other thing I remember from that night is how much they seemed to like each other. That that seemed pretty genuine. Although the, these are two superstars who are going to compete for a championship, they seemed to get along pretty well. Oh, they did. They were very fond of each other. Uh, they, were, they were good friends. Michael and uh, Charles Barkley were good friends. Uh, he was friends with with so many guys, but 
you know, you sometimes you want to beat your friends more than you do uh, anybody else. So he, you know, once you get on the basketball court, you shake hands at the before the uh, jump ball at center court. Man, then it's on. And you know what Michael was like, and I I think that's probably what surprised people about Michael is that when they watched him on the ESPN show is that he you know he's a he's a human being and he cusses like we do and he you know the the thing that i admire about athletes people that are really competitive it doesn't actually doesn't just go for athletes steve they hate to lose more than they like to win and that's what drives them the guy that can't sleep at night tossing and turning because he's eaten up by the fact that he lost he's going to come back or she and win the next day so was he your favorite bull well uh personally i i I, he was he was certainly one of them but i mean there were there were guys that i say that because you know scotty pippen was highlighted so i assume that in upcoming episodes, you're going to get into Dennis Rodman and the whole Rodman effect on the Bulls. Uh, through through the course of, of all those guys playing together, Michael continued to be your favorite? Well, favorite on a level of, gee, I like talking to him the most. <clears throat> I like being around him the most. Well, I you know, I loved talking to him. We had a lot of moments because at the station, he was on our Sunday night show. So he'd been back in the sports office for, you know, half hour, 20 minutes. And, you know, we had a lot of moments together. But there were so many guys that I loved talking to. Bill Wennington was featured on the show. Um, Luke Longley was on the show. Steve Kerr is a great guy. Craig Hodges I loved. (laughs) On and on and on. You know, I could do some simple things uh, in life from time to time, as you are aware. And I remember Bill Winnington was at the station one night, and as a goof, and I, and my inner self probably told me leave him alone, you know. But uh, so I said something the, the most ridiculous thing you could you could say. I, I went up to him thinking that this would make me uh, make it easier to talk to him and more likable to him. I said, uh, Bill, you know that paint on the court isn't wet. You can, you can stand in the paint. <laughs> and and that, that's some nerve, me telling this professional NBA center on a championship team that the paint's not wet. He can go in the middle sometimes and shoot, and uh, but he st- he he got uh, uh, really uh, upset over that and started telling me about his game. Explain real quickly what the paint is for anybody that might not know. Well, not that I know. That's made it even funnier. What do I know about the paint? The paint, <laughs> the paint is that area uh, close to the basket where you can play your inside game. That's where players are dunking and, and shooting little hooks, and they're, they're, uh, the big men settle down in the paint, right? Yeah, it's the rectangle from the free-throw line to the sides of the where the guys stand when a free-throw is shot to the baseline. It's that, it's that rectangle is painted, and the closer to the basket, yeah. So you were, Bill is 
what, 6'11", 7 feet tall, and you're yeah. insulting him like he doesn't go under the basket. And for you to have upset him, it's hard to upset Bill Wennington. He's one of the easiest going guys in the world. Yeah, but when you got a guy who claims to be uh, six feet and his doctor tells him he's about 5'10", <laughs> telling him that about the paint. <laughs> that, yes. You know, I I was so I feel so short next to those guys that Jerry Krause could have probably slammed on me. <laughs> Your doctor actually told you you were five seven. No, he didn't say that. He, he did say something like five nine. It was something ridiculous. Uh, but um, and I say that because I know I'm six feet, but I don't want to go into that again. So this Jerry Krause situation uh, was he as unlike likable as the uh, episodes of painting him no uh jerry kraus was another one that i got along fine with um i never had any problems with him jerry um i think that he you know had a chip on his shoulder because you know he was short and he was heavy and all these big athletes were around him and he and he, 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 <laughs> no we're talking we're talking about jerry not you <laughs> Oh, boy. You think you're a funny guy, don't you? Go on. Go on. Anyway, I think he, you know, he had a, he tried to fit in and he just couldn't. He was, he was socially awkward and didn't know what to say. And, you know, the guys just, you know, had their way making fun of him. And, 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 you know, it was, it was really relentless. And, um, as Reinsdorf said in the show, I think that Kraus had, you know, he had feelings like anybody else, but, you know, he could act like a jerk, and, um, you know, he was rough on a lot of people. And uh, I think that the fact that he was just awkward, he just didn't fit in with those guys. Uh, now, is is your son near, I don't need to see him, but is he physically near you right now? Uh, no. He said, oh. well, I don't know if he's right outside the door. I would doubt it, because then no, he would I, have to listen to this. Well, I was going to ask <laughs> Did he fall asleep from listening to this? <laughs> no, there's no way he would stay in this room. I sure hope that uh, those listening to us right now uh, enjoy hearing from us again. You know, in this strange world of podcasts, uh, you hope you bring uh, a, a little uh, merriment and joy into people's lives. I, 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 it's fun to be back. It's been over a month since we did anything like this. It has, and I... I hope the same thing steve i mean you know it's a it's a great distraction for us we yeah. like talking to each other we like talking to other people i i love telling some of the stories about you know what many people watched uh, about the chicago bulls and our experiences and uh it is great to be back back to you man i, I just looked over my shoulder i do have a lot of books over there yeah Wow. Do you throw things out easily? Now, there'd be some folks who would not keep. I mean, some of these books uh, that I have in this office of mine are dated way back. I mean, to when I was in college or so, I don't throw a lot of stuff out. Do you get rid of that? Would you dare not have just an area full of books that you hadn't read in 20, 25 years? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself a hoarder, but there is stuff that I just, for whatever reason, you hang on to it. Um, not just books, but all kinds of just stuff. And maybe it's nostalgic. I don't know the reason, but I have trouble getting rid of it. And, you know, if you haven't looked at it in 30 years, then you probably ought to throw it out. 
No, but that doesn't change the value of the book. I would never. I have. I have a thing about throwing books out. I, I, it just feels like it's the wrong thing to do, and, and I think some of it. Uh, you know, I think of the author and I think of somebody's work in the effort. I really do, and I think that uh, just to toss somebody's work away, uh, I'd rather give it away or give it to somebody else. Now, have you taken these these quarantine days uh, to to do projects around the house? Do you feel guilty that you haven't done constructive things, or maybe you have? No, I have. no because I'm not. They, I'm not a constructive person. You, you remember the line on the uh, last dance with Michael's dad, where he said something about my. He was working on the car, and he yeah. asked Michael to uh, yeah. go get a crescent wrench or whatever, and yeah. Michael brought him a hammer. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he said, "Get back in the house with your mom. You can't help yeah. me." That's the guy I am. I can't do anything as far yeah. as handiwork or anything like that. But my wife watched her dad and she's really good at at fixing things and organizing things and all that and i am completely inept which wouldn't shock you yeah i wish i was more of a do-it-yourself person i'm more of the let's call the guy when yes. can the to do it uh, i read an article recently about how folks uh, under these circumstances should not feel guilty if they don't have projects going on because you can make yourself even more anxious thinking you have to do things or create work at home when you can just uh, r relax more than you think you can. You know, and this is only a right now. It's a relatively short period of time. And right now, a lot of folks haven't had the luxury of just being, I think. And so maybe there's maybe part of this time we can use not constantly doing maybe it's okay to not be doing something all the time well i i agree with that that the one thing that i've done too much of but you've got to you know you got to do something is that i have been buried in my screens too much and i wish that i wasn't constantly on social media and you know one day you told me yeah i called you you didn't answer again yes. which isn't <laughs> well let me that's not unusual but let me tell you what i did and i've done it again since then i woke up one morning and i said you know i'm feeling as anxious as i felt the night before in the pit of my stomach and and i feel jumpy i'm gonna disconnect for a while i uh put my phone out of reach, you know, set it down somewhere on a table. And I turned the television off. I had no uh, radio or iPod or any music playing. And I sat outside in the back on a nice day. Uh, and I listened to the birds. I could hear some distant talk of walkers because they're constant. But I just wanted to be for a while instead of do. And I started to feel better about handling things. You know, I, I knew the circumstances were still the same, but I started to feel some comfort in that. And I connected again because you always want to be updated on the situation and, and, and how far we've come along with testing and the things that we need to know. But I did that in shorter doses. I didn't fill my day with constant news about the virus about those suffering, about uh, 
some of the nonsense that you hear that's unrelated to what the scientists are saying. I, I, I wanted to get away from a constant feed of that all day long. I think that had something to do with my nervousness about things. I, and it's uh, nice, nice to get away from it all for a while. I understand that. And then the next day, you know what you did wrong? What did I do? Picked up the phone. <laughs> it <laughs> looked. It started that buzz, 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 and it's Howard. Yes. And and I and then I I ignore it, and then I get a text, and the text says, "Hey, you know what would be a great show title?" <laughs> I throw the phone across the room because I'm sorry I looked at it. And then the text has a little. Uh, and then I send you a picture with it. Yes. Of a guy screaming into the phone, and then you finally answer it, and you're right back where you were all well, anxious again. Tell me something else now. Do you, feel, do you feel that you have to answer every phone call now because you have no excuses? No. <laughs> Say, uh, you're, I mean, when you're busy, what do you tell people you're busy doing? I'm not that guy. I, I don't know. I just don't answer it. And then, uh, you know, I'm not busy. People, I don't feel like it. There are people. There are people that you know that call, yeah. and you just don't answer. Uh, just, yeah. Well, if when I, you get back to them later, what do you tell them you were doing? I tell them I didn't feel like answering it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. No, you. Don't. They understand. You don't tell them that. Sure, I do. No, you don't. Most of them don't ask what I was doing. <laughs> so, uh, but. You know, if you call and I've got my phone next to me, I will yeah. answer it. If well, you have to tell people what my everyday life is with a phone, I don't have my phone on me all day long. Right. I carry my phone around. At the end of the night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, my phone's on a different floor and I go to bed. I don't even have my phone with me through the night. Now, I have a house phone that. <laughs> Some people <laughs> remember those from back in the 20th century, early oh. 20th. But I have a house phone that, if you really need to get to me, that will ring, uh, and and uh, I'll pick that up. But I, I I don't. I mean, I can be connected without constantly having the phone draped around my neck like a necklace. So you <laughs> you have a landline that might ring ring through your house uh, still. <laughs> Yeah, but out of, you know, curiously, I don't get uh, nearly as many of those aggravating phone calls anymore. What are those folks uh, taking a break from everything now? You know, the scammers and the yeah. uh, bogus calls. I'm not getting those either. How's your AOL dial-up working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> and it goes, be doo boop <laughs> Surfing yeah. the web. Wow, yeah. we're getting old manish here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it's time for, probably? What is it time for? I don't know. Is it time for this to end? It, because, it, oh, we're, we're beginning the process. Yeah, this is all a new way of doing these things. It seems like it was fairly successful, right, today? Uh, I wouldn't get carried away. Well, at least we could hear each other. Yeah, yeah. And it uh, seems like, did you have a record button you had to push yes. over there? Yeah, you did push you it push twice. <laughs> Okay, so it is actually recording. I hope. Yeah. Um, but you didn't understand what I meant by beginning the process. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The, well, it's like the 76ers when they called it the process. 
beginning the process of ending the podcast, this this episode <laughs> is what I've meant. But I'm going to have you end it. Listen, listen up for a second. Uh, why don't you tell the story about Michael Jordan wanting to do the weather? Well, that was uh, taken way out of proportion, his interest in what weather meant to him. I don't know how it started. I think he was interviewed or he casually made a remark somewhere along the way in front of cameras that he wanted to do the weather, right? That, yeah. that, of all the things that he could do that he hasn't done, Mike, what, what interests you that you haven't done yet? And he was sort of rambling things off and said, yeah, you know, I'd like to do the weather. I bet I could do the weather, right? <laughs> so, and people at our station ran with it like it was his one goal in life to do the weather. And every opportunity they had, they would ask Mike, is this the night you want to do the weather, right? Isn't that how that went? Yeah, well, I think I seem to recall that they would have you, like every time he'd come in with me and go to my <laughs> office, you'd say, hey. Yeah. Michael, hey, is tonight tonight? Yeah, hey, Mike, you want to do the weather? And Michael would see you and run the other way. <laughs> yeah, and it, was no, and, and, and it really wasn't anything I wanted. I didn't want him to do it. Right. But it made it seem like that's all I stood for when he saw me, was getting him to do the weather. Yes. So he... It's like the other thing that happened. I had more uh, players aggravated with me, and it wasn't my fault. Do you remember uh, the... Who was the player who was the 12th player? He was like the 11th or 12th on the roster. Uh, his yeah. wife, His wife wanted to be an actress or a... Uh, uh, a personality too. Yeah, it was Jack Haley. <laughs> yes, Jack Haley. I did a nice interview with Jack Haley and his wife. Uh, you know, what's it like at home, you know, with, on your days off? And at the end of the long interview, uh, he says, hey, this is great. Can I get a copy of it? And I said, I don't see why you can't get a copy. And I may have even called and said, can we get... Uh, Jack Haley a copy of this and the answer was sure and so of course we four flushed him <laughs> nobody the copy and I felt terrible now you know like every time Michael saw me it was that damn guy that wants me to do the weather yeah every time Haley saw me it's that damn guy that four flushed me won't give me a tape they, they were one by one growing to hate me and hate running into me from one from the superstar on the team to the 12th guy on the team and probably everybody in between they hated me <laughs> you know uh, the bj armstrong story yes bj i don't know he's you know on one of those super he won a championship too didn't he? sure he yeah and i i'm down on the court and 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 uh, it's before the game, like uh, 40 minutes before the game, and the players are warming up, and they're just bouncing the ball, and they still have their sweats on, and they're casual about it. And I'm about, I'm within virus distance of BJ, within <laughs> six feet, yeah. within six feet. And I turn to him, and I wave, and he's clearly looking straight at me. <laughs> I don't, and that was sort of, Ridiculous. That's kind of stupid, too. What am I doing down there waving? Yeah, come on. I, and I waved at him. And I may have yelled, hi, BJ, but I think I waved. And he looked at me like I had just farted and they <laughs> through the whole building. 
He turned away from me. He spun like the exorcist lady. And I left there thinking, now, B.J. Armstrong hates me, and I don't even know why. And I didn't do it. I guess it was just silly. Here I am. None of the reporters or people down there covering it were waving to him. No. I'm waving. Can you imagine? Here's a scenario to picture. They're in the locker room, and they had TVs up in the corner of the locker room, and and it happens to be on Channel 2 one night, and you come on with the weather. And (laughs) Michael says, oh, Turn that shit off. I don't want to see him. He's always trying to get me to do the weather. And then, and then Haley. Haley. <laughs> Turn him off. He owes me a, a tape. He's a liar, too. And then BJ. What's he and say? BJ, and he's odd, man. He's, <laughs> he's down there waving to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Get on the court, first of all. Oh, my God. Waving at people. Yeah. Oh, that is hilarious. Well, I think that's all she wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Don't wave at me because I'm going to wheel. I like the way you think that at this point, that's all she wrote. Yeah, I think that's it. Out about 25 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed enjoyed this. Did you really? No, but it sounds good. <laughs> this, believe me, I mean, this sounds no different from any phone call that we make. No, it doesn't. That's not a thing necessarily, but that it is what it is. Tell everybody how, how our phone calls end. You know what? There are two, as we're continuing, I'm dragging this on. Yes. I just said it is what it is. I always wonder what that means. It's like saying it's all good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Both mean. What what do both of those things mean? I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah, it's all good. Our phone calls end with, um, you'll say, or I'll say, you know what I'm going to do right now? going to hang it up good. I'm going to hang it up good. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're going to do right now is hang it up good. But we should thank some people. Who should we thank? (laughs) I hate it when you do these I know you do. The quizzes. uh, Are we going to thank Tony? Tony Lasano. He is our executive producer. I don't know if we're going to thank Samuel. Sure. Sam, like Samuel's here in spirit anyway. Oh, Samuel set this stuff up. Yes. Uh, Samuel <laughs> got me going. Samuel Greenberg. Yep. And uh, we'll we'll thank my son, Justin, also, because um, he, he helped me a lot with this. And, yes. um And I'll thank you for coming on my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, BJ, BJ Armstrong, come on over here. No, he didn't wave back. He Where's my gone. tape? <laughs> Where's my tape? Uh, um, say say goodbye. I'm done with it. I said goodbye five minutes ago. I'm done with it, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Steve, we'll talk you, soon. I like you. You're so optimistic, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. I'm leaving now for real. Goodbye until the next episode. Peace. It is what it is. It's all good. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. 
Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? What do you get when you hear a celebrity Minutia Men interview, Dave? Rick, think of Dan Rather and Bill Maher having a kid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you'll get Minutia. Right. What does a Damone from Fast Times and Ridgemont High really think about the movie? Only right? one place to find out, and that's Celebrity Minutia Men interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Lausano or Lausano and friends, here's what you missed. Edsula, the president is here, the guy that's in charge of the whole network. So we have to be good, right? Yes. Yeah. And so far. So what's going on with the network? Anything exciting? We have a, a thousand shows. I mean, there's a lot of them. We have a lot of shows. Yeah. Name the worst show on the network. Go ahead. <laughs> say it to his face. Just say it. Say it to his face. Yeah. No, no I, 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 would, I dare anyone to find a bad show. There, all... there is not a show on this network that yeah. I'm not proud of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called. Is this over? Yes.